Hello, and welcome to another thrilling episode of Factorally. Uh, I am one of your two co-hosts. My name is Simon Wells, and joining me here remotely is... Bruce Fielding, the other co-host. Hello, Bruce. How are Hello, you? Hello, Simon. I'm very well. I'm... I'm... I'm completely coded out. Thank you very much. <laughs> that could be a new euphemism. We'll start using that in a different way. Coded. Totally I guess, coded. Yes. It's, it's lots of coded, coded language going on in this one, I guess, because this one's all about codes. It is. It's all about codes. Codes are everywhere, aren't they, really? Um, I don't think either of us realised how much material we would find <laughs> when we started, started poking at this subject. Well, I, I, I guess even... Language itself is is a kind of a code because it's yeah. a it's a way of expressing um, something. So, like you know, what what is a bottle? The word yes. bottle means that thing over there that's got water in it. Yes, you're right. Something that represents something else. Yes. So I I looked up the definition of code, according to the Oxford English Dictionary. A code is a system of words, letters, figures, or symbols used to represent others, especially for the purposes of secrecy. Ah. So that, that that really does just fit into the definition of language, as you've as you've said, something that represents something else. Yes, and I guess there are different sorts of codes as well. I mean, we sort of think of codes as being things like Morse code or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But actually, Morse code isn't actually a code because a, co a code represents a whole thing or a word or a point of view, mm. whereas a a cipher, which is actually what Morse code is, is kind of like replacing one letter with a different letter. That's a better explanation than any I found online. I was desperately <laughs> trying to find the difference between a code and a cipher, and I thought, nah, forget it, Bruce will know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it's like, you know, the most famous cipher, I guess, was, was the Enigma machine, mm. which was... Um, do you know who, who found... The, who actually captured the first Enigma machine? From the... I would love to say... Uh, the British. <laughs> well, see, the, the British think it was the British. The Americans made a movie, didn't they, about um, a submarine that captured the first Enigma machine. Yes. Uh, when actually it was the Poles <laughs> who, was really? who captured the first one. Yeah. Oh, good on them. Good yeah. They, they sort of, they, they kind of boarded a, a, I think they boarded a submarine and um, one of the guys saw this strange box in the corner and went, I wonder what that is. <laughs> <laughs> just a total fluke finding yeah absolutely brilliant brilliant so what what can you tell us about the enigma machine it's a bit of um bit of an enigma to me so yeah. tell us more so i so i've actually been to bletchley park i was i was taken oh. there as, 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 a, as a as a birthday present oh nice and i mean that you know when you're a nerd that's yes. that's the kind of birthday that's present the kind of get. place we hang out <laughs> <laughs> geeks assemble absolutely and uh, so, yeah, I've actually seen an Enigma machine. Wonderful. The, the, the way they work is it's a very similar. There's a thing called a, I think it's a Caesar cipher or something like that, mm. which is a very old form of, like, if you imagine a wheel, a yeah. cardboard wheel with, like, two sets of letters on it. And sort of when yes. you move it one way, you can substitute one letter for the different letter. Okay. Yes. Um, so what the Enigma machine did was it did that kind of substituting one letter with another letter on wheels. There were five wheels. And it changed the setup of it every single day. Mm. So it was, was a really tricky thing to crack. Mm. And, um, you know, Bletchley Park was formed to, to crack it. And, and what, what's fun is that actually they, they, they worked out that the easiest way to crack it was not by trying, you know, really hard maths, but psychology. All oh, right. Because okay. um, what would happen is that the, the operators, 
before they actually started sending the message, would kind of go like, hey, dude, how's it hanging in, <laughs> in, in 1940s German? And uh, the, the, the British would see this every day and they, they could kind of work out from that at least some of the, what the wheel settings were. Wow. And it, they, they did a lot of research into like, you know, what's your dog's name and hmm. girlfriend and, and all the op- as much information as they possibly could from wherever they got it from spies. Um, about the um, the personal cir- circumstances of the operators. Oh, wonderful. So if one person is sending an encoded message and they're using wheels number 1, 6, 7 and 9, presumably the person on the receiving end has to know exactly which wheels the sender is using so that they can decode it or decipher it yes. accurately. Yes, that's right. I think I think they actually had books that told them which day they could use what what wheels on. So oh, if, as long as you didn't have the, as long as you didn't have a machine, yeah, you were you were fine. Um, there's that lovely letter from Churchill, where he he visited Bletchley Park, and they they were asking for outrageous things. Hmm. You know, like, lot, we need more kit, more this, more that. And after Churchill had seen, he sent this this very short letter to. The head of Bletchley Park said, give them whatever they want. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fantastic. And that's like a blank check from Churchill. And and so they they just got on with it. But, yeah, it was so effective that after the war, we didn't tell anybody that we'd cracked it. Right. And our allies started to use Enigma machines to send confidential information to each other and, yeah. and we just quietly sat there going yeah we can we can read this <laughs> our spies spying on our own spies yeah well or our, <laughs> or our, our mates spies you know it's, it's it was um we yeah we just didn't tell anyone that we'd done it <laughs> oh that's so british <laughs> just keep it to ourselves use it for yeah. our own nefarious means <laughs> But I mean, ciphers, you know, the modern world really wouldn't exist without ciphers because ciphers is what um, cryptography and, and, and all that sort of yeah. stuff that, that makes the internet secure yes, is, is actually very similar. Yes. What I didn't realise is, you know, you hear about this like 32-bit encryption and yes. 500. What it is, it's, it's two to the power of yes. how difficult it is. And I, and I didn't realise that. Oh, interesting. So I, I spent... Um, in a former life, I, I spent a bit of time studying electronics and computing. Um, so whenever we sort of talk about 32 bits or binary code, which is a code, or is it a cipher? <laughs> hmm, interesting. Um, all of that, that makes sense to me, you know, sort of the, 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 using a, a piece of code uh, where you, you take a, a numerical value, usually in decimal, you convert it through a series of binary or hexadecimal or whatever it might be, and it, it produces a letter or a word or a, an image or whatever. All of that roughly makes sense to me. Um, do you know what a bit is? Do you know how it gets its name? No, I don't. Bit is a binary digit. The B from binary and the it from the end of digit. Ah. So a bit is either a one or a zero. Those are the only two digits that exist in binary. And bits hang out in clusters of eight which some bright spark decided to call a bite because it (laughs) sounds a bit like a bit so eight bits are a bite and that's how we get bytes kilobytes megabytes gigabytes etc ah and and i understand that uh, to code stuff you need very big numbers 
So I, I guess a very big number in binary is very, very, very big. Yeah. So if you um, if you think about the, the decimal number system, you sort of go through each of the digits in a whatever a four digit number. This this, this digit is worth one. That digit's worth ten. That digit's worth a hundred, and so on and so on. In binary, each of those digits is just worth double the one before. In order to make the number six in binary, you would write zero one one zero. Yep. Is that correct? I yeah, think so. I think that's correct. Yes, yeah, two and four. Um, yes. Yeah, two and four. There you go. Good maths. So yes, the, the binary numbers end up looking fantastically long and complicated compared to just a good old-fashioned decimal number. But that's what the computers speak. The computers speak in ones and zeros. Those ones and zeros are represented as uh, positive or negative charge or, or magnetic pulses on a on a disk or whatever it is. So it's simply an, an on-off. One equals on, zero equals off. But that, inc- that encryption, I understand that that sort of encryption is, is sort of on its, on its last legs because what used to take you know, weeks and weeks and weeks to, to decrypt using normal computers takes about mm. 10 minutes or yeah. even 10 seconds yeah. with a quantum computer. Oh, goody, quantum computers. That's a whole other episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's some form of magic. It, it, I, th- I think somebody said to me that once quantum computing actually rises, security will be completely irrelevant. Really? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Fantastic. <laughs> well, that's something to look forward to, isn't it? Now, the word, the word code, um, we both like a bit of etymology. Where do these words and phrases come from? The word code, actually written as C-O-D-E, first appeared in the 1300s, as long ago as that. And it originally comes from the Latin word codex, which meant a systematic compilation of laws. Uh, And then even earlier than that, the word cordex simply meant a book. Right. So that that goes all the way back to that somewhere along the lines. You know, it's it's become morphed and changed and and now means what it is. didn't look into where cipher came from. It's probably Greek. Probably Greek. It sounds Greek. <laughs> it's all Greek to me. <laughs> um, now, you mentioned earlier Morse code, which we will now be forced to refer to as Morse cipher, which <laughs> 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 doesn't have quite the same ring, does it? But no. there we go. Um, Morse code uh, w- was created by an American inventor called Samuel F.B. Morse hence the name, mm-hmm. and he developed it along with a chap called Alfred Vail during the 1830s. And they created this thing for sending messages through electrical wires. So uh, this series of pulses, this series of dots and dashes, bips and blahs, as the Americans call uh, them. Do they? Um, Still? Well, in some circles. <laughs> bips and blahs. Um, and they, they, again, so someone starts off with a message in English, they convert each letter into a series of dots and dashes, they transmit it over a wire, someone picks it up at the other end, translates it back into English. Or whatever language it Or whichever it is that they're using, yeah. I made an assumption there. Um, so a, a dot is, is one unit of time, a short unit of time, and a dash is worth three units. And then there are different lengths of units in between those dots and dashes to show that that's either the end of a letter, the end of a word, or the end of a sentence. But all of this happens at lightning speed, so the person really has to know their their Morse cipher uh, in order to make it work. Um, Do you have any examples of Morse code being used in in popular culture? 
by any chance? I do, actually. Uh, I mean, the, the obvious one, I guess, is the TV series Morse. Mm. Um, the other one that I found out very recently is that the theme tune for Mission Impossible, the bit yes. that goes... That is actually M-I in Morse. Is it? <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I'm now playing that in my head. That's fantastic. <laughs> I think a lot of people, a, a lot of composers probably, you know, think, how am I going to get a, a rhythm out of this? And, and then maybe think yeah. about, they either think about the words of it, uh, you know, like the words of the title of the film, which give you, you know, like, to like, yes. uh, the adventures of Robin Hood, I think, is one of the early ones where the the adventures of Robin Hood, it's kind of like you get that, that thing. Yes. But I think the Morse code um, definitely gives you a, a good beat. That's a lovely idea. We're digressing slightly, but there are quite a few movie themes that that work on that premise. John Williams was a great one for using that that idea of basing a, a theme tune around the title. So you'd have Star Wars, blah, 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 blah. you'd have Superman, da 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 da, Indiana, da da da, etc. Yeah, that's true. Actually, I hadn't I hadn't, I hadn't noticed that he did it, but yeah. So you mentioned the TV series Morse. So those those opening dots and dashes in in the theme tune of Morse Code actually spell the word Morse. Barrington Falung. Bless you. <laughs> Who now? What? The the composer was a chap called Barrington Falung. Is that right? Yeah, who's a cellist. What and a I actually, name! I actually was in the middle of absolutely nowhere in the Scottish Highlands, and I noticed that in, at the church hall hmm. there was a sign saying the Barrington Falung quartet will be performing here on Saturday and I went that I've got to see and it was basically in in a little sort of like a schoolroom yeah with the the four of them up sort of like 10 10 yards away from the rest of us and there was, wow. the rest of us was about 30 people and they they gave a they gave a gig which was amazing that's brilliant how impromptu <laughs> <laughs> um another example of morse code being used in in again in places that people don't necessarily recognize it um, the old Nokia text message notification, which, as we all know, goes beep, 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 when you get a text message. Yeah. That is Morse code for SMS, ah. which is short messaging service, which is what a text message is officially called. So your phone is literally telling you you've got a text message. Isn't that great? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh. So um, looking around at, at other codes, I mean, this... Like I said before, this is a massive topic and we'll never cover them all, but a few codes that, or ciphers, uh, that stuck out to me that I never knew existed, uh, which I'm, I'm just going to mention a couple. Have you heard of hobo codes? I, I think I have, but remind me. Okay, so hobo codes are little chalk inscriptions written on the walls in public places uh, by members of the homeless community and they're trying to let each other know whether this is a good spot to stay in one form or another, ah. essentially. Uh, this started in 1930s America during the Great Depression. Because of the great job shortages, people would travel from place to place. And once they'd found a good spot or a bad spot, they would put a, a chalk mark on the pavement or on the wall to tell other people whether it was safe to be there. So they have little pictures, usually little... Um, little representations of a house or a, an X sort of marking a no safe zone or whatever. Um, and they they contained messages such as, this is a friendly place, there's a strong police presence nearby, there are guard dogs nearby, this is an unoccupied building, 
there's a soup kitchen around the corner, things like this. Oh, wow. Um, and they still exist today in, in America and um, uh, even in parts of London, usually around knee height, so they're not obvious to the average passerby. Um, but yes, there are all these little little codes. Gosh, you've reminded me. I, I seem to remember that when homeless people went door to door asking for you know, money or food mm. or whatever, they, they would put a sign saying, you know, there's a complete bastard lives here. <laughs> or, you know, so th 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 this is a soft touch. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, hobo codes. The, the other place that I love the idea of codes is, is in medicine. I don't know whether you ever see... I, I've never seen my own uh, doctor's notes. No. Um, <laughs> you probably wouldn't be able to read them. <laughs> I, I, well, exactly. I, I mean, my handwriting is far too good to be a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there used to be things like when somebody would come into a doctor's office with, like, you know, with a head trauma or something mm. like that and smelling slightly of, of whiskey, uh, they, they would put on the, on, on the notes D A F. Oh, which is drunken fell over, <laughs> and or or if somebody you know somebody brought in a weird a weird looking child, they would put FLK on the notes like funny looking kid. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there are some cracking ones. There's um, one of the best known ones was TTFO, which is when you go to the doctor and the doctor says nothing wrong with you, mm. just mm. go, and TTFO means told to. <laughs> but I, I i was told that there was one called ratfo right which is reassured and this is very different to um tiggers ttfn then tata for now well exactly yes my my, my other fate my other favourite one is, you can imagine what this person looks like who's just walked into the doctor's office. She's sat down and she's explained how her crystals aren't working mm. and that she probably needs some sort of proper medicine. Mm. And he writes on her notes, Grollies. Grollies. G-R-O-L-I-E-S. Oh, Grollies. Uh, which stands for Guardian Reader of Low Intelligence in Ethnic Skirt. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's incredibly precise. <laughs> I think they're just great. And, uh, I mean, they, they also have things like uh, LOBNH, mm. uh, lights on but nobody home. <laughs> <laughs> or when, when somebody's really stupid, they put CNS-QNS, which means central nervous system, quantity not sufficient. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Wonderful. This is kind of reminding me of all the abbreviations we have in, in text messages and, um, you know, social yes. media chat and yes. so on. Yes, lols. lols. and ruffles and lamaus and pumzels and things. What's a punzel? Pumzel, P-M-S-L, P myself laughing. Yes. <laughs> um, my, my mother still sends emails to me uh, writing LOL at the end, which she still thinks stands for lots of love. Um <laughs> Hello, hello, dear. Just, just want to let you know that your father isn't doing too well. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> yes, yes. Your cat's died. Lol. <laughs> um, now, another uh, system of coding, it, it's one of those things that you, you've always noticed, you've never really paid it any attention, but it, it has a, a deeper meaning. I think this is the, the essence of how codes work. To the people who know them, they're critical to everyone else. You just walk past them yeah. every day. Have you ever noticed colourful squiggles on the pavement when you're walking around yes. town? I've never known what those mean. I've assumed it was children playing with chalk. 
you would imagine that it's not so it's um it's surveyors and civil engineers marking out what lies beneath the ah. pavement when there's roadworks coming up um and I, I, they, they write lots of numbers to say how deep the items in question are or how long they are or what they intend to do with those those things that are under the ground but they're all color coded so when you see a squiggle in red it means that there's an electrical line under the ground okay in blue means there's a water pipe under the ground makes sense yellow means a gas pipe green means uh, cctv and cable tv network lines and white is just a, a general communication saying you know there's something dig here. here dig here or don't dig <laughs> <Yeah>. here <laughs> or whatever um have you got any other codes that you've been looking at lately so any other well i guess that there, there are codes uh, uh, jargon is a kind of a code isn't it i mean you know when i was mm -hmm. in advertising you know things like um dps for double page spread and yeah all, all that all that stuff so every and every industry i guess has a jargon which is a kind of a code yes i suppose so yes it's sort of a an, an in-house um language or, or or whatever you want to call it that that sort of it's, it's shorthand, yes. isn't it? It's a, it's a way of telling other people what you mean without having to say the thing out loud. The preeminent short form now is is the TLA, isn't it? The uh, the three-letter acronym. Yeah. I love the fact that TLA is a TLA. Yes. Well, I, <laughs> I actually belong to a, a group called the Tech London Advocates who are known as the TLA. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> The other code, which I suppose is is quite well known, you you hear it every time you ring up a service provider, and have to give them your address or your surname or your postcode or whatever it might be, is the uh, the phonetic alphabet. Yes. Of which there are quite a few different alternative versions, uh, but I think that the NATO version is the one that pretty much everyone sticks to. Apart from the Americans. Apart from the Americans, they're separate. Um, <laughs> I thought it would be fun, just for a little test of our knowledge, I haven't written this down deliberately, just to see if you and I can go through the phonetic alphabet together, one by one. I'll start with Alpha. Bravo. Charlie. Delta. Echo. Foxtrot. Golf. Hotel. India? Uh, do, uh, no. Oh, yeah, you almost had Juliet? it there. Is it? Yes, yeah. Juliet, which I only remember because of an old, Juliet an old Bravo. TV cop show, <laughs> Juliet Bravo. Exactly, yeah. Juliet. Um, K. Uh, Kilo? Yep. Lima? Mike? I've, I've, I've gone blank. What's N? Is it? Is it November? Yes, it is. It is November. Oscar? Papa? Quebec? Romeo? Sierra? Tango? Uniform? Victor. Whiskey. Wifronts. <laughs> X comes after whiskey. Oh, right. Uh, X-ray. I assume that would make sense. Yeah. Yankee. Yankee. And zebra. Or Zulu. Zebra Zulu. or Zulu. Yeah. Okay. Interchangeable. So the whole point of that is that none of those words sound particularly like any other word. Ah, so it's it's highly unlikely that if you my postcode begins with TW17 and every time I try to say that to someone over the phone they say sorry was that PW 
no, no, TW. CW, no, no, TW. So the point of this phonetic alphabet is that all of those words sound unique enough that the other person shouldn't really be able to muddle it up. Ah, yeah, my, mine's much easier. I mean, I, I could go November whiskey, but frankly, Northwest is, is probably yeah, easier for NW. They're, they're fairly easily identifiable, aren't they? Before we started, we were talking about passwords. Yes, yes, we were. You know, passwords are, 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 are almost a mixture of ciphers and codes, really, aren't they? Mm. Don't tell anybody, but my password... No is, one's listening, it's okay. It's password 1234. Classic. I, Classic. Can, I can remember that one. We have so many logins to different websites these days, and you don't really want to just have one password, because as soon as that's cracked, you know, you've lost everything. But trying to remember which password you've allocated to which website uh, and then the whole thing of your memorable words or things like that, it, it gets very confusing these days. Yes, it's, it's very unfortunate if your mother's maiden name was something like Fox and, and they say, what's your mother's maiden name? And you go, Fox. And they say, no, it has to be four letters and a number. Yes, that's something now, isn't it? So I have, uh, I have quite a systematic way of remembering my logins and passwords for various different websites, which I shan't divulge. But they keep on changing the rules, don't they? So I, I knew exactly what my passwords were. And then one day when I went to log in somewhere, they said, your password must now contain at least one capital letter. Yes. So, OK, I'll systematically go through and change all my passwords to include a capital letter. Now they must contain at least one number. OK, I'll go through and change them all again. Now they must contain at least one special character. OK, yeah. I'll go through and change them all again. I went to a website last week that said your password must be at least 16 characters. <laughs> For goodness sake, how am I supposed to remember this? Oh, no, so I just ended up writing the word 16 on the end. <laughs> somebody once told me that one a good way of doing a fairly secure password is just to look around you and pick three things. So, okay. you know, monitor, bottle, uh, pencil is, is as good a password right. as, as any other. Yeah. Uh, without any numbers. I mean, if you want to put a number in it or something, or a, yes. or a special character. But there are, there, are, there are websites that actually check your passwords for you and tell you how long it would take somebody to crack them. Oh, really? Which is quite, <laughs> it's fun to do because you kind of go, oh, you kind of put your normal password in and it goes, this would take 12 seconds for somebody to crack. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm having a go on that later. I love that. <laughs> Now, the, I think the last thing we, we want to talk about, uh, this was a very last-minute entry, wasn't it? We, we just briefly happened to mention this in passing before we, we, before we pressed record. Uh, there is a, a website called What Three Words. Yes. Love what it. experience do you have with this? Well, my experience was I was asked to invest in it, so... Um... Oh, okay. So that was that was that was quite quite, nice. quite a good experience. Yes, um, and and they explained that the the world was being divided up, sort of land and sea, hmm. into these um, nine square meter, like three meters by three meter um, squares. Hmm. Hmm. And what, the way they explained it to me was was in two ways. One is if you if you live in a favela, you live you live in the middle of a of a slum. Hmm. How does the postman? find which shack or which corner of a shed yes. you're sleeping no, in. No road names, no house numbers. Nothing, completely nothing. N so no. the only way that the postman can find you is if they will either have a GPS location for you, yeah. which is very difficult to remember yes. <laughs> generally. Yes, um, lots, of, or, lots of zeros and points. Yes, or, or just three words 
that that mm. that, that they just put on the on the envelope, and that gets to you anywhere in the world, in, in within within nine square meters, which is absolutely staggering. And they said the other thing was, you know, you're having a really good time, you're lying out on the beach, and you think, oh, I could really do with a pizza. How do I tell the pizza guy where to deliver the pizza on this huge, long, crowded beach? Yes. And if it's a what three words, you just ring up or get on your app, put in your what three words location, and the guy yeah. with the delivery box can come and find you straight away. So these these words are entirely randomly generated, yes. and each square has nothing in common with the next square. So one square might be aubergine, happy, golf. The next square might be umbrella ostrich purple yes they have absolutely nothing to do with each other at all and they're all totally unique and the other great thing about about what three words is that if you're at sea it works mm. exactly the same as it does if you're yes. on land yeah i mean i know that generally pe people who are sailing across oceans and things tend to know where they are and have, yes. have proper gps but even yeah. but even if you're out for for a day's you know sailing and you kind of get a bit lost. Yeah, you can put in your what you can check out your what three words and uh, tell people where you are. Yeah, you know, if they're headed out into the open sea when they were going out on a pedalo, <laughs> something like that. I swear, I just left Brighton Pier. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, we haven't really touched on the spying aspect well, no, that's of, true. of codes and ciphers. I mean, the traditional spy cipher right. is, is a book cipher where you, you have like a page of a book or a, or a word in a book that, that gives you the key to how you've altered the, the words in your or the letters rather in your message. And mm. uh, you have to know what book you're, um, you're re ah. referencing to get the right, okay. to get the right uh, words. Right. Okay, and and we all sort of are familiar with that idea of um, two two agents meeting each other and, and exchanging some kind of code to verify that they are who they say they are. Someone someone with a very bad Russian accent walks walks up and says, "In Moscow, it is raining heavily," <laughs> and then the other person replies, "You should take an umbrella." Ah, it it really is you. Yeah. The, the, what's the Bond one? Which is he's he's he offers him a, a cigarette from an empty cigarette case or something like that. Yes. Yes, that's and right. Yes. Oh, do you have a match or something like that? I find yes. a lighter is more useful. That could get quite easily misconstrued. I mean, someone else might have exactly <laughs> the same point to make about lighters versus matches. Yes. Yes. I mean, and, and I'm I'm sure that has happened. <laughs> but spies spies these days probably just use WhatsApp because it's encrypted end to end, so you don't actually have to. Well, oh, that's boring, isn't it? <laughs> Where's the mystery? Where's the intrigue? Right, well, I think we've pretty much exhausted this week's topic on codes. Yes. Uh, I, I hope all of you, our myriad listeners, have enjoyed listening to us waffle on about all of this stuff, and uh, we'll be back again soon with some more. The Easter is coming swiftly. But only on Thursdays. <laughs> have a great week. See you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye now.